1: What up, everybody! Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by Toys and Ford and Hi V. I'm Dan Casper, your host for every single episode of the Man Cave Podcast. And on this episode, well, we've done a couple episodes where we've talked uh, or touched down a couple of, I like to call them, forgotten legends, uh, and you know, just kind of like athletes or sports figures that maybe you don't know uh about about them maybe you never heard about them maybe you don't know their their backstory they're maybe not the most popular uh you know players or athletes or maybe they've just kind of gotten lost in time if you will so it was perfect chance to catch up with joe niece who has written a few books you can check out uh, joe but uh, he's written a few books on some of our uh forgotten legends in the chippewa valley so we're, we're talking like andy pafko Early Grimes and one of my personal favorites, Gus DeRay. So, without further ado, let's just get into it. All right, let's let's catch up with Joe here. Joe, it's good to see you again, good there, big you, guy. How yes. you doing? I'm Life's doing good. Well. Awesome. Yes. Well, you. you are the expert when it comes to a lot of our local historians here for local uh, athletes yeah. that that have gone on. And I think uh, you know, like we've known each other for a couple of years now. Yeah. Uh, I think, and I, one of my things too is I, I I think there's a lot of stories around our area, Chippewa Valley that a lot of people don't know about like athletes and that and you Mm. have done a fantastic job over the years to highlight that and and properly showcase i think uh those athletes that that deserve it but also get their stories told because they've got really interesting stories to it i think a lot of people kind of forgot but then in steps you to to kind of tell those stories so i'm excited to kind of talk about three of our, our legends here that you've written books about too yes first one andy pafko uh, I want to lead off with Andy Pafko here. So okay. baseball player, born in, uh, in Boyceville, yeah. Wisconsin. Now, can you tell us a little bit, just kind of a, a general back, because, I mean, this was a guy that had a long career in Major League Baseball. I mean, he just wasn't like a one game and, you know, made it to the show, then called it a career or anything. This was a guy, was it uh, like 17 years, uh, yeah. I, I believe, he played in the Major Leagues? Yeah,
0: September of 43 to fifty
1: through 59. Man, yeah. so a long-storied career. Mm-hmm. And so, correct me if I'm wrong. Did he now? He got his baseball start in Eau Claire, though, right?
0: Correct. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. So <laughs> one of the well, I always like to give a shout out to Connorsville. So that's kind of actually where he's from. Okay. It, you know that Boysville was always the you know the play the bi- the bigger picture for him, but he was more he his, the family farm was closer to Connorsville. The only reason. They don't say he's from Connerville because there's a post office in Boysville that gotcha. they got their mail. So, um, yeah, so he got his start at Eau Claire in uh, 1941 for uh, the Bears. Okay. And so, um, was it 41? I think it was 41, if I remember off the top of my head here. Um, 40 or 41, I'm sorry. No. I'm jogging my memory. You're good. <laughs> and, so, and so, yeah, he had he'd graduated from high school and— went to try out for Eau Claire that was kind of the biggest thing in the area here he got signed and then they came back the next day and said we have too many players I got to cut someone and so you're the guy we're going to cut oh man and so uh, he went back to the farm kind of thinking that you know town ball was going to be his fate as far as baseball goes is going to be a farmer and then in September big fancy car pulled in and to the driveway and, uh, you know, he was out in the field with his brother working, and they thought it was just like a, a tractor salesman or something. And his pe- mom called him in, and it was Ivy Griffin, the uh, manager of the Bears, and they needed someone for the last couple weeks of the season. And so kind of the rest is history. He had a good enough showing yeah. to catch the eye of uh, Green Bay Blue Jays, who he played for the following year, and then Macon, Georgia, and then, oh, off to uh, to California, and then to the, – to, uh, Cubs to so the Cubbies. So, yeah.
1: so it was like was Green Bay then obviously a step up from the Eau Claire Bears. Then? Yes,
0: yep, that was kind of a, a next in line there. And so throughout this, he kind of thought that you know after Green Bay, he thought he was going to play for the then minor league Milwaukee Brewers. But then he so he got signed and sent to Macon and then to uh, Los Angeles as well. And so it's kind of a trying time for him. Got homesick a lot, but mm. obviously.
1: Worked out, yeah, definitely. So he goes to the Cubs. I believe it was nineteen forty three. Yeah, September forty three call up. Yep, forty three. Uh, so what, you know his his nickname was it, Handy Andy. Handy
0: had... Andy was the most common one. Yeah.
1: What were some of the other ones that he had on? Oh, there? I
0: think the the one of the probably the biggest one was uh, Prushka. I think it was was a name given to him by Charlie Grimm, and I can't remember what the na- what the uh, translation of of that was. <laughs> but yeah, that was the biggest one. Was it was handy, Andy, though.
1: Yeah. So what, what made him such a great player that he had that long career in the major leagues? Like, what? what obviously, you got to be good at, you know, obviously a great baseball player yeah. to, to last that long. But what would you say was his forte, if you will?
0: Oh, I I think he was, well, had a great all-around game, was good, you know, five tools possibly you could put him in that class. Was a very good guy, good teammate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you, I wouldn't push him into the put him in the pushover crowd because he did to definitely stand up for himself when he needed to, but he, he was just a solid ball player. Uh, injuries were, you know, unfortunately had a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. Numbers probably would have been a lot higher, but that was kind of the way he played was all out all the time. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah. And he did win a World Series, but that was with the Brooklyn Dodgers, right? Brooklyn
0: Do- uh, The, nope, the, Bru- the Braves. Oh, the Braves, in, okay. In 57. Got yeah. it. Yep yep, yep, yep. Braves over yeah, there. Yeah, played so. for one with the Cubs. Uh, one with the Dodgers and two with the Braves.
1: Okay, yeah. so it uh, kind of came home there towards the end of his career, right, in the state yeah. of Wisconsin?
0: Yeah, and in a lot of ways, you know, Wisconsin was a Cubs state, you know, mm-hmm. before the Braves came there. So, you know, you had this huge thing when he came to the Braves was there was a lot of crossover Cubs fans, and then he was the only state-born player on those Braves teams, and so it was a big deal.
1: Yeah, Uh, so, you know, kind of looking at his career uh, – five-time all-star. Mm-hmm. He is in the Chicago Cubbies Hall of Fame there. Mm-hmm. He finished his career with a 2.85 batting average and 213 home runs. Yeah. I mean back then that's those are pretty solid numbers. Definitely. Yeah. For for uh for Andy Pafko there too. Yeah. So, uh, what did he do after his playing career?
0: So, for he was a, a coach for the Braves for a couple years and was a scout. Uh was a coach in the minors end for a couple years and then went to scouting um, his last scouting job was for the expansion uh, Montreal Expos, okay. and then by the early seventies, he was worked as a golf pro at Mount. Mount oh, really? Mount Prospect, I think it was, in um, in Illinois.
1: Okay. So did he? What he played multiple positions though, too, in the major leagues, right? Yes,
0: yeah. So he started out as an outfielder, and then for whatever reason, even though he was one of the best outfielders in the league, Grimm changed him to switched him to third base, and so. He was the fir- I think he was the first player to start an All-Star game. at two different, you know, outfield one year, third base the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, mainly outfield.
1: So, what made you want to write the or tell the story about Andy?
0: Uh, proximity, I guess, was yeah. the <laughs> biggest thing. Uh, Grimes was my first book that I had wrote, and the guy who I worked closely with, is Charles Clark, who was a close friend of Grimes, still around. Just talked to Chuck a couple weeks ago. I think he just turned 90. Oh, wow. Um, but he kind of convinced me that you've got to look into Andy's story. And so I did and uh, got going with that. You, you, know. you
1: mentioned uh, uh, Mr. Grimes there. Yeah. So let's just go into to Mr. Grimes, Burley Grimes. And I should mention you've got you know all your books available. Is it easy to go to your website, com? Yes. Yep. To, to check them all out? Yeah. Uh, uh, Handy Andy, the Andy Pafko story, the Burley Grimes, Gustav Ray. We're going to throw a little Zach Weed in here too. I forgot to mention Sounds that good. too, but uh, I want to hit up, hit up all of them because they're they're fantastic. But with uh, with Mister Grimes here now, you look at him, and was it Emerald, Wisconsin? He's
0: Emerald born? is where he was born, okay. which is but he always said Clear Lake. You know, okay. Emerald's in St Croix County. Mm -hmm. Uh, Clear Lakes and Polk, but he always claimed Clear Lake as his home.
1: So what is his connection to like Eau Claire? Because it seems like Eau Claire is a start for a lot of people's uh, baseball careers.
0: Kind of a similar path to Pafco. He played for the Eau Claire Commissioners at the driving park in Eau Claire downtown. This was pre-Carson Park. Um, Kind of a similar path in that he went there, went to tryouts, um, they didn't take him, mm-hmm. and he said, "I'll do anything to stick around. I'll, you know, fetch balls, you know, shine cleats, whatever you need me to do." And so they kind of took him on as a manager. And within a couple road trips, they were down a player. They needed someone, and he was uh, put in and pitched. Got a win, and then ended up actually pitching the uh, season opener in town here for them. But by midseason, the the uh, the uh, league collapsed. I think it was a uh, Wisconsin Minnesota league. And um, he had to look elsewhere. So, okay. You know, he got – like Pafu got his start in Eau Claire. Interesting. Yeah. So
1: after his run with, with Eau Claire, where did he kind of go uh, for, from there?
0: So he went to Austin, Minnesota at the second half of that year. He had signed a contract to get paid monthly instead of weekly, and that kind of bit him that he didn't get paid. So mm-hmm. he needed money right away, and so the manager – uh uh, Bailey was a manager's last name, kind of a big name, and early was uh, Eau Claire Baseball here. Sent him to um, Austin, Minnesota, and from there he played in Iowa and then in uh, Alabama, and then in, uh, I think he went to Virginia for a little bit, then back to Birmingham, and then uh, to the Pirates.
1: Okay. And this is, uh, I mean, Mr. Grimes, I mean, he's. Uh Baseball Hall of Famer? Yes, yep. You know, in there. I mean, he played for a long time here, too. Pitcher? Yep. On there. Was he the spitball guy?
0: Spit Last legal spitballer. Yep. Yep. 270 wins. But, yeah, last last legal spitballer.
1: I like how you say legal. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to put that in there. <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah. But, uh, I mean, he played for a lot of different teams on this on this, uh, yeah, thing, too.
0: Yeah, Pirates, Dodgers, Giants, uh, Braves, Cardinals, uh, back to the Dodgers, played for the Yankees for a, a stint, mm-hmm. uh, bounced back to the the Pirates. He yeah, ended up uh, ending with the Pirates. So Yeah, yeah.
1: and then uh, Brooklyn uh, Dodgers manager for a little bit there too? Yeah,
0: for one year, mm-hmm. one, two years it was. Uh, really not, you know, probably the biggest things were uh, first night baseball game at, at Ebbets Field was under his helm there, and also Babe Ruth was his third base coach. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah which was a kind of a... A thorn in uh, Grimes's side because it kind of brought Ruth in as his pregame entertainment, hitting home runs and batting practice. And Ruth, you know, would think that he could still play. He ask to be put in the lineup and stuff. So, kind of a headache for, for Interesting.
1: Yeah, that's that's great. And then I something I learned from, from yours, too, he was a pretty good hitting pitcher, too. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a very good hitting pitcher at that time. I think he hit 300 a couple of times. Um, mm hmm. In my research, I th- I found that he was one of the first people to do batting helm, make a batting helmet too. And he was a minor league manager. One of his players got hit in the head, and so he kind of got the early start on, on mm-hmm. um, batting helmets.
1: So you said Grimes was your first book that you yes, did. Yes. Yep. So what was it that you know drew you to to Grimes again? Was it proximity? Proximity. Or a yeah. No.
0: Yeah. I was doing an article on another player, and then I, I came across, and I was you know I, even though I you know grew up in Eau Claire. My knowledge of Eau Claire baseball wasn't that big. It was Hank Aaron, kind of, and Bob Euchre, you know, those names. The ones we always
1: hear about at Carson Park. Yeah,
0: and so I came across Grimes and was going to do an article on him, and then I went up to Clear Lake and kind of went uh, undercover there at the museum, and Chuck's wife was working, and I started talking to her, and then, again, it snowballed and kind of got Chuck's blessing, and Mm -hmm. uh, so uh was huge yeah yeah, yeah.
1: that's odd awesome. and then uh so i before we get to, to football i want to stay with yeah. baseball book. sure zach wheat yeah w- what made you want to hit up a book about zach well, wheat as well? not proximity yeah. he's, from <laughs> he's from
0: missouri so it, it was his name probably was the one that came up the, in the grimes book the mm-hmm. w- name that came up the second most was probably zach wheat mm-hmm. um he had he was grimes's longest tenured uh teammate um Hall of Famer, so I kind of, uh, you know, his name just kept kind of coming back to me and Mm -hmm. something that interested me, and so um, I decided to take on his story, which was kind of a challenge because him and Grimes were teammates for so long to try to figure out a different way to put a spin on the seasons that I wrote about before because that was was kind of a challenge, but fun. It was interesting. Uh, Got to travel down to his... his, uh, area he's from in Missouri and mm-hmm. kind of meet a, a wheat super fan that was really helpful so yeah.
1: how you mentioned the the research in that but like you know when you we we're just kind of saying that when you think of Eau Claire baseball in the history you know it's the obvious names that always come up as Hank Aaron and, and Bob Uecker and even Joe Torrey yeah. for, for a little bit there but when you mention you know these other names and yeah they're they're baseball hall of famers but maybe they're not well-known to a lot of people currently right now or younger fans or anything like that. How difficult is it to maybe research or find that research on these? I hate to say less
0: popular, but, yeah, you know, in terms no. of
1: like a Hank Aaron, they may be a little bit less popular. Yeah, ab-
0: absolutely, yeah. So, well, I'm fortunate my, my day job is a librarian, mm-hmm. so I, I'm I'm comfortable searching that stuff out. And when I started doing working on the Grimes book, well, is that about 13 years ago 2010 2011 i was still working on microfilm i was getting oh, reels of microfilm and slogging away at that and mm-hmm. my lunch break and my 15 minute breaks and after work and it within a couple of years most stuff was digitized um now is that a good thing i don't know because i i feel like slogging through micro microfilm you pick up stuff and mm-hmm. Digitization doesn't always pick up everything, you know. There might be a little side story that adds a little flavor. So mm-hmm. digitization has made things easier, but I think we still miss some things, you know. Right. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and, of course, yeah, and then interviews, you know, these are people that are all have all passed away. Pafko was still alive when I started his book. He died during uh, the writing of my book. Um uh, from Alzheimer's and dementia, so, you mm-hmm. know, I didn't get a chance to speak with him, so. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then my personal favorite is your Gus DeRay one. Yes, which, yeah. You know, football and, and that sort of stuff, yeah. the, the history there, so. Yeah. And, you know, that's the one thing is, like, you know, when I was younger, and I think, I don't want to speak for everybody, but, you know, when they hear, like, DeRay Field, mm. you know, I think we're we're such in a, in a time frame where maybe people just assume, oh, that's somebody who donated money and, you know, named after they don't know who Gus DeRay is, yeah. you know. I remember when I was younger, I'd during, oh, it must be business owner or something like that. But then you find out this dude's pretty popular in football history. Yeah. As you get older, and you're not a kid anymore, and you start to find out a little bit more, and you, you look at you know Gus Ray's legacy, it, you know Notre Dame. You want to go head coach with the Detroit Lions? I mean, you know forward pass, and we'll get to that here in a second. Yeah. But it all started in Chippewa Falls.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I it. it that was the dore book was probably my most enjoyable book to write to work with his grandson on mm-hmm. that, which we we came in and talked yep. to bob um yeah the the name just it becomes wallpaper after a while, dore Field, like you said, yeah, just whatever someone who donated, right. but yeah, when you get in, look at it, i mean the, the how involved he is in the history of football, yeah, that we don't celebrate him more around here is kind of a shame, I agree, yeah, I absolutely yeah. agree,
1: uh so you know. Obviously, during his time uh, with Chippewa Falls, success over there, and that's the one thing too with like what I really appreciate with his story and some of these other people's stories too. It wasn't just that they were born here and then later on they played high school in California or something yeah. like that. They were born and raised yeah. here, you know. Yeah, and DeRay was one of them too. Yeah,
0: yeah, he was uh, born and raised on the the East Hill in Chippewa Falls, Catholic Hills, it was known, mm-hmm. and he went up through the Catholic schools up through his junior year of high school, and then. Um, Ag Finley, who was an All-American uh, running back at Wisconsin, married into Dore's family and uh, got a job uh, up at the high school in Triple Falls, and which had a great team to begin with. And then Gus came there his senior year, and they just completely dominated teams. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then uh, what? 1910. He goes to to Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. And then was it? Because uh, he wasn't. As, I mean, back then too, not a you know, wasn't on the was it varsity team right away as a freshman. But it sounded like he's like. People took notice of him. So right yeah, away. so
0: th- this was a couple years before they didn't allow freshmen to play, and so he came in as a third stringer. Uh, forward pass was still looked down upon. Mm-hmm. Um, his first, he went through three different coaches there. Uh, Longman was his first coach, who was a Michigan Michigan guy who heavy running, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, he came in as a third, barely third-string quarterback, and by the uh, third or fourth game was starting and went undefeated. Mm-hmm. You know his time as a starting quarterback. A few ties in there, but yeah. undefeated. Yeah.
1: And then uh, probably, I mean, his teammate is probably more well-known for for <laughs> other fans is Newt Rockney. Yes. Yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> uh, roommate. You know, they met their their first his Gus's first day. Roommate, best friend. um you know, the best man at each other's weddings, you mm-hmm. know, so they were very close. Yeah.
1: Uh, going back to, the, you know, the forward pass, mm-hmm. like he – would you say he gets credited with the invention of the forward pass even though he wasn't an inventor but maybe helped really make it more popular?
0: Yeah, I, I would say more – I he erroneously gets credited, which mm-hmm. he's, he was very clear that I did not invent the forward pass, mm-hmm. which I – it's time for another story. I feel like University of Wisconsin has a very big history with that forward pass, which maybe I'll get to someday. Yeah. Or maybe you and I can get to Heck someday. Heck
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and so he, you know, there was all these different – I have a, a really good video of him explaining it on the Gustory website at Gustory.com. There's a video in him, in his words, explaining the evolution of the forward pass. Mm-hmm. You know, it started as kind of an underhand one, then a sidearm sling, and he was one of the first ones to go up behind the ear, you mm-hmm. know, kind of like a catch. The overhead spiral yeah, sort yep, of thing? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yep.
2: I'd be glad to give you my idea of the pass as used in the days when Rock and I were players and of its evolution. Gus, what about the first passes that were used? Now in uh, my high school days, I well remember the first forward pass and the way it was thrown. Uh, at that time, they took the ball and they held it parallel with the arm and the first pass was thrown end over end, in that fashion. The next uh, change in the of throwing the pass was to lay it on the hand to acquire the spiral that we now have, and they still, however, threw it underhand. Now I've watched all the good uh, passers of recent years, and the method that I also employed, I think as the first passer using it, was to grip the ball, holding it parallel to the arm, and bring it back over the ear so that the throw could be made with a snap and a drive. That is the most modern method of throwing the ball and has proved the most
1: successful yeah that's I think you know because once in a while I'll see that kind of pop up on this day in history or something like that and be like uh, you read Joe's book and then you'll know a little bit more the yeah. actual stuff like yeah. what it what it what he actually did with the forward pass yeah over there, so can you tell us a little bit more about? I mean, he had an incredibly successful playing career at Notre Dame, yeah. Uh, as as the quarterback over there, obviously with Newt Rockney, but you kind of alluded to a, a lot of undefeated seasons, yeah. when he was over there at, at Notre Dame.
0: Yeah, kind of the uh, the pinnacle was under Jess Harper, um, his senior year. Harper came in, and the big one is is against Army. You know, mm-hmm. it's the most famous one where they kind of unleashed the forward pass. Is more than just kind of a desperation play. But, yeah, All-American, quarterback, Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, Pre-NFL days, so played for, um, you know, Massillon Tigers and Fort uh, for a team in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And uh, he got out of it right as the NFL was coming in there. Right. Yeah, in 1919, I think, was his last year of playing pro ball, so to speak.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, kind of bounced around a little bit with – coaching in the college ranks before he went up to the Lions. Yeah,
0: Dubuque, and then he went into the Army, and then came back and was an assistant at Notre Dame, and then went to Gonzaga, and then University of Detroit mm-hmm. for a long time. That was, you know, the bulk of his career was there. Um, and then the Lions. and the, the Lions for a little yeah. bit. I just
1: remember... Um, you know, one of my favorite writers is Peter King, hmm. and he was doing a Don Hudson thing on NFL Network once. It was like, I think it was 2010 when they did their first top 100 players. Yeah. And he actually quoted Gus DeRay uh, yes. in his thing. and Because it was Don Hudson, I think, scored three touchdowns or something like that, and a writer asked uh, Coach DeRay, you know, something like, what what happened or, you know, what was the game plan? And DeRay said, too much Hudson. Yeah. It was just those simple words right there yeah. sort of thing. And, and it's, you know, just cool to kind of have – you know, those connections right there because you know and everybody knows I'm a huge Donuts and fan yeah. too uh, as a kid there. But, it, you know, looking at you – know, he had a good coaching record at the Lions too Yeah, the you know, first he, few years yeah, there.
0: Yeah, he did. Yeah, those first couple of years, I think maybe six and three, I think, and they kind of battled the Packers there in the, the early 40s there and mm-hmm. then petered out last couple of years. Uh, his son died in a, in a drowning accident in the lake, a young son, and that kind of really – took the wind out of his sails and, you know, he was he was dead within a decade, you know. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: So you know, he is in the College uh, Football Hall of yeah. Fame, but w- do you think he should maybe get m- as much more recognition or as much recognition as like make a Newt Rockney or anything like that? When you talk about – Notre Dame's got some great history, yeah. you know, football history. Do you feel like, though, sometimes he kind of gets overshadowed at at, at points?
0: I do. I might be defensive because I spent years writing (laughs) about him, you know, but I definitely think his name could be brought up more often because he was really involved in a lot of um, rules committees and stuff like that. And the NFL took a lot of the lead from college football back then on rules and Mm -hmm. stole kind of their rules. And so I I think, you know, he gets gets overlooked. It's not surprising, so many people that do, but – he could get a little more PR mm-hmm. for the stuff that he did,
1: especially. I mean, since it is a passing league now, and he was, you know, as we just got done talking about, you know, maybe not the inventor of the forward pass, but really revolutionized it to what it is right now. I think is the big part of that of what he did.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah, it'd be nice to see him get a little more recognition for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I
1: totally agree, and that's it's a fantastic book. So if anybody wants to check it out, uh, again, your website is uh, Joni's. Uh, Nice, N-I-E-S-E, yes. yeah. Uh So you you got that, but you've also been doing a couple other uh, projects here. Yeah. One that was, uh, was it about a year ago now or maybe a couple, grid Iron Grit? Grid Iron
0: Grit was uh, in the fall. Yeah, that was kind of a different path for me, uh, mm-hmm. just a quick 5,000-word book. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed writing it. It was kind of a different test for my writing muscles that, you know, the to get a contracted thing and have to write it over six weeks and you know and mm-hmm. so it was it was fun it was a fun experience yeah, yeah.
1: and then you got uh, another one that's uh is coming out now yeah it's right kind there?
0: of out february 14th was valentine's first, day you yeah, know yep. the first day of pitchers and catchers I like that it. was that was the reason for it perfect <laughs> <laughs> so but then uh but it, it's out now it's mm-hmm. at the local store in eau claire and Country Treasures in Chippewa Falls, Fields Apart is the name of it, and mm-hmm. probably the the, th- the book that I, I started writing this in 2006. Oh, wow. And so it was kind of, for whatever reason, for being as much of a sports guy as I am, I had this blind spot in movie viewing from the early 90s, so I didn't... I didn't watch like uh, *League of Their Own* or *Sandlot* mm-hmm. for whatever reason. You know, it was probably on cable all the time too. <laughs> but it, when my wife, my now wife and I were dating, we watched a bunch of these movies, and *League of Their Own* mm-hmm. kind of sparked this idea. And so, um, yeah, it's it's nice to finally get it out in the world. There, I've been working on it on and off for the last, you know, seventeen years, and. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see see where that. Yeah, it's historical fiction, World War II era, um, for young adults, but it's for everyone really. Yeah, um, all American girls, professional baseball mixed in. It's fictional location River Junction, but if you know Eau Claire, it's it's Eau Claire. Awesome. It takes place in Eau Claire, so
1: definitely. We're gonna yeah. have to finish. Gonna have to check that one. I know you got uh, sent me the digital copy, so yeah. I got to start that. Uh, coming up here soon so yeah. that's going to be fun fa- can you give us a little tease on maybe some of the other projects that you're kind of working yeah. on yeah so
0: or? um i you know non-sports one which i haven't done yet uh, seymour cray that's always kind of dancing in my head famous computer guy from chippewa falls mm-hmm. um eddie kotel uh you and i which we talked about a little bit was a uh, probably on the the biggest national thing would be he was the considered the first um, NFL scout, modern scout, and how they went about scouting. But his history goes back to Lawrence College mm-hmm. in uh, Appleton, and then the Packers. He played for the Chippewa Marines, which I know you have a soft spot for yep. that, that. For that team, um, and then was a long time coach at Stevens Point, and then back to the Packers for a little bit, and then. Uh, Long time scout for the Rams. Awesome. Yeah. There's
1: a, like a Lawrence College connection to over here, I feel like, too, back then, because like Cub Buck, who's from Eau Claire, yeah. coached uh, or, yeah, well, I think it was a coach or maybe athletic director over there. He too, played,
0: for, yeah, for, he played, uh, Cotel played for Buck. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, so yeah, perfect. Yeah,
1: yeah, there's the connection right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So is that kind of a goal when you look at these is maybe to not look for like, okay, everybody knows that story. Like, you're not going to do a book on Babe Ruth or anything yeah. like that. It's, it's to try to Reignite the stories of some of great of these great people that we kind of forget, or I call, like to call them forgotten legends. almost yes. a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's kind of my. I have so I was fortunate to grow up uh, in Eau Claire here and read Ron Buckley all the mm, time. Yeah, and he could make you know the 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 most local athlete into this you know international star, and I loved. His writing style, I still do. Mm -hmm. You know, he still writes a column every so often, and I just devour that whenever I see it. So there was never um, an athlete too small for Ron. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of his writing style. And my older brother, Andy, who was, uh, you know, was very into sports and got me into sports. And so we were, you know, we went to Regis, and so we really idolized those older Regis kids. And so... it's it's easy to find interesting right. stuff about any athlete. So, yeah.
1: yeah, you know, you mentioned like the older school, and I'm not trying to age Ron or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. But like even like back then, like I I feel like, and this is not a knock on the current writers or anything like that, but it was a different style of writing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was almost like poetry. It seemed like yeah. like like I'm talking like Grantland Rice and and like how they would describe a game, and I think that's the thing is like they would have to describe it for us to imagine it. Mm-hmm. Where now you can go on YouTube and or watch it on the TV. But, like, they're just reading some of the older articles and columns and how they describe games. That's something I, I kind of miss.
0: I agree. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, it's not a knock on, on mod. It's just nope. the way uh, modern uh, media is presented. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, uh, there'll never be another Ron Buckley. You know? Yeah. So, which, it's almost uh, like a form of art, really. Yeah. You
1: yeah. know, And it's just some of those old words. It's just, like, whenever I can find one, I'll try to save it or print it. Like, it's just how they describe the action is just awesome yeah. and those yeah. athletes too so well that's going to be exciting to see some of that stuff out there. you might have to do a run bio I, or something I, like that I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he'll let you do that yeah. one or not that, that, that'd be that'd be i think a lot of people around here would he's like a that pretty,
0: he's a super humble guy and you know mm-hmm. doesn't like the spotlight at all but yeah what a treasure he's been for mm-hmm. decades
1: absolutely well, Joe, I, this has been fun, and, and I always love chatting some history. So um, we got to do this more often. I agree. Though. Yeah, you know, yeah. get together for a brewski or something, and yeah. just you know, shoot the you know what. Yeah, that'd talk be, back that'd and be great. forth. So. Yeah. Uh, but again, if anybody's interested, Jonies dot com. Otherwise, some of your books are at the the local store too. You said, yeah,
0: local store in Eau Claire, uh, Country Treasures in Chippewa Falls, and at the new Dragon Tail Books in uh, Menominee. Oh, nice! Yeah. And
1: I can I can tell you, the gustareo one is fantastic. I've read the the Burley Grimes one too. It's awesome. So go check them out. uh for anybody who's listening, Joe. Big thanks for stopping thanks, by, Dan. man. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Again, brought to you by our good friends from hy and Toys and Ford. Just a reminder, if you are not subscribing or following the Man Cave Podcast, do me a favor and uh, do so on your favorite podcasting platform like Apple, Spotify, all across the board. We're on your all the popular podcasting platforms out there. And if you have the ability to give it a solid rating, like a five-star rating or uh, a positive review please do so. It'll just take you just a quick second. That way other people could find the Man Cave podcast. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper. We'll talk to you again soon.